Luke chapter 10, um, we're going to begin reading in verse 25. If you would find that in your Bible, Luke 10 and verse 25. And if you're able to stand, please stand with us for the reading of the Word of God. A familiar passage to many of us, often referred to as the Good Samaritan. And uh, it's a passage that Jesus is really answering some questions from an expert in the Old Testament law, and but he gives us some answers that are not just relevant for that person individually, but for us as well. Uh, look in verse 25, if you would. Behold, a certain lawyer stood up and tempted him, tempted Jesus, tested him, saying, Master, what shall I do? To inherit eternal life. He said unto him, What is written in the law? This man, a lawyer there, we think of lawyer, we think about Perry Mason or some lawyer. (laughs) But uh, these were not lawyers in the sense that they were prosecutors or defense attorneys. They were lawyers in the sense that they were experts in the law, in the Old Testament writing. So Jesus said, There in verse 26, what is written in the law? How readest thou? And he answering said, and he answers from the Old Testament. Actually, Deuteronomy chapter 6. Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, and with all thy soul, and with all thy strength, and with all thy mind. And, here's another quote from Leviticus and thy neighbor as thyself. Love God with all your heart, love your neighbor as yourself. And he said unto him, Thou hast answered right, Jesus said, This do, and thou shalt live. But he, the lawyer, willing to justify himself, said unto Jesus, And who is my neighbor? We'll stop reading there for now. Who is my neighbor? That'll be the thought this morning that we'll consider the question, who is my neighbor? And let's pray as we begin. Father, please help us today. Again, we ask as we study your word, Lord, we open our hearts as we heard this morning in the Bible study hour. We open our hearts to your word, to your truth, to your will. We pray that you'd work today in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Very few people would argue with the position, number one, that God loves sinners. I think we'll all agree with that. We'll all be on board with that statement. God loves sinners. Not only does He love them, but He wants them to hear the gospel. He wants them to have the opportunity to be saved, to receive the truth. There's only one way to be saved. There's only one way to go to heaven. There's only one way to have our sins forgiven. And that is through faith in Jesus Christ. And everybody ought to be able to hear that story at least once, wouldn't you agree? And uh, Jesus gave this commission, we've heard it many times over, we heard it several times this morning in the 10 o'clock hour, but he gave this commission to his disciples, and those disciples began to carry out this commission and obey it, and, he, and they, were, they were occupied, the churches, the churches, the book of Acts, the churches written to in the epistles, the churches were occupied with this assignment. 
to make sure everybody gets to hear, to get the gospel to as many people as we can get it to. And uh, it makes sense then for churches like ours to examine that command, to, to look at that, to, to emphasize it in our own lives, in our own minds, in our own lifestyle, to emphasize that, to promote it. Because as we've heard, and we already know this, it's easy to be preoccupied. It's easy to be distracted. It's easy to be so busy in our world that, that we fail to remember there's a world out there that needs the gospel. And so this is what missions emphasis is about. We've been doing this all week. Now as we look at this passage in Luke chapter 10, Jesus is going to define what loving your neighbor looks like. And he does that for this lawyer, but he does it for us as well. And we get this picture of what compassion for hurting people looks like in a person's life or in a church's life. And as we already stated there in verses 25 and following, there's a lawyer that's questioning Jesus. What do I have to do to inherit eternal life? And his motive was not pure. The Bible tells us that he was tempting Jesus. He was just asking questions. Sometimes people do that. They don't really ask because they want to know the answer. They ask because they want to trick you or they ask because they want to redirect uh, the emphasis from themselves. So Jesus asked him, well, what's written? And he quotes these two familiar passages. Love God with all your heart and love your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus said, go do that. And then he asked this other question, well, who is my neighbor? And the following verses, if you look with me, beginning in verse 30, Jesus describes what a neighbor is like. And he uses... A, an illustration. Look in verse 30 if you would. He says this, And Jesus answering said, The question is, who is my neighbor? And Jesus said, A certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among thieves, which stripped him of his raiment and wounded him and departed, leaving him half dead. Try to, try to imagine that if you could. A man leaves Jerusalem we can assume he was a Jew. He leaves Jerusalem. He travels east to Jericho. Not a long journey. But while he's traveling along, uh, he is accosted by these thieves. They beat him up. They take his clothes. And they leave him half dead. They probably left him for dead. I mean, he was, this man was assaulted, physically assaulted. And so get this picture, he's on the side of the road, he's been beat up, and three people came by. Look in verse 21, it says, and by chance there came down a certain priest that way. And when he saw him, he saw this man in terrible shape, he saw this man, he passed by on the other side. That's an amazing thing, isn't it? This priest comes by, this religious leader comes by. He sees this Jewish man who had been beaten within an inch of his life. And, and what did he do? He just basically ignored him. He, he walked on the other side of the road. He, he saw him. It's not like he didn't see him. He saw him, but he didn't really care about him. Are you with me so far? Then we have another man in verse 32. It says, likewise, a Levite, when he was at the place, came and looked on him and passed by on the other side. The priests were descendants of the tribe of Aaron, the people of Aaron, uh, Jewish people. 
And the priests were responsible for offering sacrifices and also um, taking care of those when people would bring their sacrifices and also praying uh, for people. The Levites were of the tribe of Levi, one of the descendants of uh, Jacob. And the Levites were given the responsibility of caring for the temple, the things in the temple, the hardware, the furniture, uh, also the worship, the singing, the praise. That was the Levites. So the Jewish, the, the, both of them were Jewish people. This is a Jewish man. And the priest walked, saw him and didn't want to bother with it. Didn't want to soil his hands with it. And then the Levite saw him, saw his dilemma, his predicament, and he also walked on the other side. And then verse 34, we have the third man. It says, but a certain Samaritan. Now let's just pause for a moment. A Samaritan, uh, the region of Samaria is above Judea, where Jerusalem is, and below Galilee, where Nazareth is. It's a region, a geographic region, where Samaria is. And the Samaritans uh, and the Jewish people were, had this prejudice, this animosity, these ill feelings between each other. So this man is not a Jew. He's, he's, even a, he's up from a people that despise the Jews. And the Jews despise them. And yet he saw him in verse 33, a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion on him. He immediately is distinguished from the others, not because he's a Samaritan, but because he cares. He had compassion on him. Verse 34, and went to him. This man went to this man, this, this man who'd been left for dead. He went to him. He got involved in his life. He bound up his wounds, pouring in oil and wine, and set him on his own beast. He gave him a ride. He, he, he ministered to him. He ministered to the wounds that he had physically. He set him on his own beast and brought him to an inn. He brought him to the budget lodging. No, he brought, he brought him to an inn. And took care of him. Verse 35 says, And on the morrow, the next day. I mean, he interrupted his schedule. He, he, he stayed overnight. He, he, on the next day, on the morrow, when he departed, he took out two mint, two pence. He dug, dug into his pouch, his wallet. He got some money. He gave it to the host, to the innkeeper. And and said unto him, Take care of him. Watch over him. And whatsoever thou spendest more, if this doesn't cover it, when I come again, I will repay thee. Now Jesus is telling this story. He's answering the question of the lawyer. Jesus said, first of all, you're to love your neighbor as yourself. And the lawyer says, well, who is my neighbor? And Jesus told him this story about these three men who saw this beaten up, battered body. And verse 36, Jesus asked the question, Which now of these three thinkest thou was neighbor unto him that fell among the thieves? So it's time for a quiz. 
Which one of those do you think was his neighbor? And verse 37, he said, he that showed mercy on him. The one, it wasn't about who lived, both of those first two guys lived closer to him. They were Jewish people. One was a priest, one was a Levite. This man was from Samaria. It wasn't about your proximity to the person that made you a neighbor. It was you caring about the person's what made you a neighbor. And then Jesus said, Go and do thou likewise to this lawyer. You go do this. Go do this. Do, go do that very thing. And what would be that very thing he should do? If, if he, Jesus said, if the man, go back to the original question. What must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus said, love God more than anything. Love God with all your heart. And love your neighbor as yourself. But, but how do I know who my neighbor is? And he says, you find people that are in worse shape than you are. You find people that are hurting. You find people that have been left for dead. People who have been robbed. You find those people and you invest in those people's lives. You help those people. That's what a neighbor looks like. So this is what it means to love your neighbor. It's seeing their need, it's caring for them, and investing in their recovery. Now here's a question for you. This, this was deliberately, specifically given to this lawyer. But now let's think about our life. Who of us are to love our neighbor? And the answer, whether you realize it or not, should be obvious. All of us are to love our neighbor. This is not an outdated command. Jesus repeated this command five times in the Gospels. Love your neighbor as yourself. Not one time, not twice, five times. Other than this time, Jesus said, love your neighbor as yourself. Paul used it twice in the book of Romans. Love your neighbor as yourself. Paul used it once in the book of Galatians. Love your neighbor as yourself. James used it once in his epistle. Love your neighbor as yourself. So that's not just a command for this lawyer. That's a command for all of us. Love your neighbor as yourself. It's not a suggestion. It's not an option. It's a command from Jesus, from the Bible. Over and over it says, love your neighbor as yourself. So if you want to know who it is that's supposed to love their neighbor, look in the mirror and you'll see the person. Whether you like that or dislike it or agree with it or disagree, it doesn't really matter. That's what Jesus said. Love your neighbor. He says, go and do likewise. Go live like the Samaritan man lived. How am I... How am I as a follower of Jesus Christ, supposed to love my neighbor the way the Samaritan man loved that man on the side of the road. So Jesus said. How did he love him? First of all, he saw him. He saw him. I would submit to you this morning that a lot of times we see people that God might want us to minister to or help, but we, we see them, but we don't really see them. We're too busy with our own lives, too busy with our own problems. 
too busy with our own fun, too busy with our own phones. There's some people in this room can't even sit through a sermon without looking at their phone. I'm just telling you, no wonder we can't see. I get bumped into people regularly walking through an airport or walking through a place of business. They can't see because they're looking at their phone. No wonder you don't see people that are hurting. No wonder we don't see people that need the gospel. No wonder we don't see people who are dying and going to hell. We don't see them. We don't, we, it's not you, we, have, we have eyes to see, but we cannot see. First of all, he saw him. Second of all, he cared about him. He had compassion on him. The other two people saw him, but they didn't care. They saw him, but they didn't, they didn't pay any attention. They saw him, but they, they were not interested. They were not moved by what they saw. So this man saw him, but he also cared. You know, one of the things that stands out to me in this passage is this. a very simple thought. But it's possible for people to be religious and not really care about their responsibility to others. Most people in this room today, and I think some would be wrong in saying it, but most people in this room today would say they're Christians. They would say they belong to Jesus Christ. They'd say they're going to heaven when they die. They have, a, they have religion but they don't have a relationship with Christ that makes them care about people. And there's something dreadfully wrong with that. Jesus is not a selfish God, and his people are not selfish people. We're to care about people. So he, he's, he was not callous. This man saw him, but he wasn't callous. He wasn't too busy. He had to interrupt his schedule. He had to, he had to do things differently. He had to make an adjustment in what he was doing. But you know what? When you care about people, you do that, right? When you care about people, you do that. And he did, then he helped this wounded man. He saw him. He, he began to minister to him. He, ministered, he went to him. He went to him. And he ministered to him. Now, some people don't want to be helped, but this man needed help and he wanted to be helped. Some people don't want to be helped. And he invested his time, he invested his resources, he, he gave money to the innkeeper. And as we think about world missions, to me, world missions fits right into what we're talking about in this passage right here. The ability to see people that desperately need something that we have. They desperately need it. The greatest need man has is not more money, and it's not more friends, and it's not more gadgets and finer clothes. The greatest need that any people have is the gospel of Jesus Christ. They need the gospel. If you or I left this life in, a, in abject poverty, friendless, penniless, and homeless, and we went to heaven, we're better off than people who have everything but don't have the gospel. Now we know that's theologically true. 
We know that's doctrinally true. But sometimes in a practical way, we don't think like that. We are so blessed in this country. I mean, any way you measure it. Any way you measure it. We're so blessed. I, I was uh, read an email this week of a missionary in Nepal. And they were having their missions conference this week. Like we're having our missions conference this week. They were having this, they're, they're raising money in Nepal for missions. But one thing that stood out about the people, the congregation, they were all sitting on the floor. They don't have any place to sit. They don't have any chairs to sit on. They don't just have hard seats. They have no seats. I wonder how many of our people would come and sit on the hard floor for three or four days straight, morning and evening services to hear the Word of God. We're so blessed. We have so much. I don't hesitate to say that. We have so much. What some people in this room would pay for a phone is as much money as some people will live an entire year. That'll be all the income they'll have for an entire year. And we act like we don't have enough money for missions. We can't give anything to missions. I'm going to tell you, it's pathetic. Amen. It's pathetic. Like I said earlier, I don't, I don't ever have to pray about what God wants me to do. I know God wants me to do something. It's just about how much God wants me to do. You don't even have to pray about it. You don't even have to say, God, do you want me to support missions? You just ought to say, God, how much should I give to missions, right? This man cared. He ministered to this person. And a lesson there for all of us. It's not, it's, not, it's not technical. It's not hard to understand. It's, it's see, we need to see people and see their need and ask, how can I care for these people? How can I help these people? And you say, well, that's, that's, guys, a, that's a great example. Let me tell you, there's a greater example than this in the Bible. His name is Jesus. You know why he came to this earth? It wasn't because heaven got boring for him. It wasn't because it was just a rough life with all these angels waiting on you and praising you. No, you know why he came to this earth? Because he saw people like you and people like me. And he says, I'm going to go to this earth and I'm going to give everything I have to give. I'm going to pour out my life. They'll curse me. They'll pull the hair from my face. They'll beat me. They'll drive nails through my hands. They'll crush thorns on my brow, but I'm going to, I see the need, I'm going to go to those people in need, and I'm going to give everything I have so that I can help them with their need. That's what Jesus did. Amen? That's what He did for me. He came to me. He gave Himself for our salvation. And He ministers to us, like this person. He ministers to us. He helps us. He strengthens us. He is our companion. He is our comforter. He's our friend. And He brought me to a place like this, like an inn where people care, can care for me. Aren't you glad for the goodness of God? This is, this is what caring looks like. This is what ministry looks like. This is what evangelism looks like. It's about seeing the need. We have to open our eyes. That's, that's why we have missionary testimonies. 
We, heard, we saw one this morning, for those of you who weren't in the Sunday school, Afrim, a man that we know and have loved for years that's serving the Lord in Germany. We see these needs. We, we see the people, the people who are lost. I mean, when, when, when Brother Varghese talks about a billion people in India, a billion people, most of whom have never heard the name of Jesus, those people are going to live and die and either go to heaven or hell. It helps to see. The needs of world evangelism are tremendous. And I know we have needs. I have needs. You have, we all have needs. Physical needs, emotional needs. But I'm telling you, the greatest need there is is the need for the gospel. We need, we need to see the need and we need to care. We need to open our eyes. We need to open our eyes and we need to open our hearts to people. Most of the people in this, most of the men in this room, maybe some of the ladies in this room, you're driving down the road and you see somebody got a flat tire, you're going to stop and help them. You know why? Because you're, you're filled for their distress. You're going to help them. And that's not a bad thing. That's a good thing, right? But having a flat tire is nothing like having a lost soul. We ought to see it. And we ought to care about it. And sometimes missions conference is a time just to take an honest look at ourselves. Yes, we're going to look at the world, but we have to look at ourselves. Do we really care about people in spiritual darkness? The devil walks about, Jesus said this, the thief walks about seeking who can, who can destroy and seeking to uh, steal and kill and destroy people's lives. How did Jesus see people? Jesus didn't see people as is what the color of their skin or how much money they had. Jesus didn't see people like that. So I wish I had their car. I wish I had their house. Jesus didn't see people like that. He saw people as sheep without a shepherd. People who need spiritual direction. It's about seeing and it's about caring and it's about investing our resources. It takes time to get involved in ministry, doesn't it? I mean, a little while, we'll have... Conclusion of the service, we'll have prayer, we'll go home, going to have dinner, and that, that sounds good about now. But the, some of the people are not going to go directly home. Some of our people are going to go to a jail service, give the gospel to people. And some people will go to the nursing home this afternoon and give the gospel. Please hear me. You know why? It's not because they have more money or more time. Or it's, it's because they care and they're going to invest some time. They're going to give some time. We got it. We have, yes, we have to look at our own needs, but we've got to open our eyes to the needs of others. And we have to open our hearts. And we have to be willing to invest in people's lives. That priest and that Levite felt no responsibility toward this beaten up man. But the Samaritan, of all people, the Samaritan had a sense of responsibility for the man in need. And we have been given, as we heard this morning in Sunday school, we've been given this responsibility to take the gospel to people. Right? To witness to people. To talk to people. To share a gospel track. To give them the gospel. So who is? The question is, who's my neighbor? And if I understand the text correctly, our neighbor are those 
who are in worse shape than we are, spiritually. I'm not talking about on the socioeconomic scale. I'm talking about spiritually. They're the the people that God wants us to reach out to and help them. And missions is not all of that responsibility, but it's a big part of it. How else could I? Think about this. How else could my wife and I directly, personally, get involved in reaching people in Pakistan or in India? How could we do that? How could we get involved in helping people in Germany or in Laos, Laos, it was in Vietnam. How can we help people in the, on the islands of Fiji? Where, how can we do that? You know how we do it? We give our money to these missionaries. Isn't that a great plan? It's God's plan. It's God's plan. And it, it's, you know, I hope you don't see everything. Oh, no, he's expecting us. No, I want to give. We love giving to, to the church, but also to missions to get this gospel around the world. They need to hear. Amen. They need to hear. So, a couple of things as we close this morning. Number one, number one, which one of those three men best describes your life as far as helping people? The priest? The Levite or the Samaritan? Which one of those people? And I hope you'd say, I may not be doing everything I could and want to, but, but really, I, I, I'm not, I, I do care. I do see people. I do care. I'm trying to help. Maybe we should help more, but we're trying. And that's the way we ought to be. It's not a prideful thing. It's just saying, no, we see the need. And we care about people. We're trying to help people. But maybe you're here today and you're like that person that was laying on the side of the road. You may not see yourself like that today, but that's really where we were before we got saved. That's where I was. I'd been ripped off by the devil. So much had been taken from us. Our sense of worth, our reputation, taken from us. And the devil just, that's what the devil does. He, 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 he uses you until he uses you up. Amen. And then he leaves you. And that was me. And I don't know. There might have been religious people came by and looked at me and just didn't even care. But I'll tell you, I'm glad that Jesus came by. <laughs> Amen. And he cared for me. He took me in. He ministered to my needs. He still is ministering. And aren't you glad for the grace of God? But maybe you're here today and you're, you're not saved. You don't know the Lord. You can't relate to that kind of a story that someone came into your life and changed your life. But I'm telling you that God loves you. He cares about you. He came all the way from heaven to this earth to pay the price that you could be forgiven, saved, born again, go to heaven one day. Amen? If you're not saved today, you need Him. Young person or adult, you need Him. 
You need a relationship with Him. And today I would, cha- I would encourage you, I would charge you, I'd, I'd plead with you, you ought to come to Jesus Christ today because He cares about you. And if you're a Christian, you ought to say, Lord, what can I do to help other people? What can I do?